Hey everybody, um, welcome to Total F and Marks. Uh, we are uh, recording this right after the um, tragic passing of Brody Lee. The episode itself, once we're once we're done with this portion, was recorded last week. So if it seems like uh, you know it's a little dated, it's because it is. But uh, Robert knew Brody. He worked with Brody. He's friends with Brody, and uh, I'll just uh, pass it to him. Thanks, Dan. Um, so yeah, so I just wanted to just say real briefly, uh, there's a lot of amazing things that are coming out about Brody Lee, Luke Harper, whatever you want to call him, that's been posted on social media, on Twitter, everyone sharing stories. He was one of those guys that was universally beloved uh, in the business and was just a really genuinely amazing guy. Uh, he, he started at the WWE long after I was gone. I connected with him through my Twitter account. He was a fan of what I was doing. And we would go back and forth and he would bounce ideas off of me of things that he was looking to do. And we developed a real just genuine friendship and it was, and it was amazing. And then uh, a few years into his run, there was a, uh, a WWE, uh, it was a house show or a TV taping that took place at the arena that I was working at. And he's a huge hockey guy. And we would always sit and talk hockey and he would talk about the Leafs to the point where it was, it was obnoxious. And I just kind of had to pretend, but uh I took him into the Panthers locker room and he was a huge fan of Yarmir Yager, grew up with him as, as one of his idols and somebody he loved. And I'm sitting here talking to this guy who has such a love and a passion for wrestling. And I'm such a huge fan of him. And he turned into like a, like a seven-year-old boy when I was like, yeah, no, you can go into the locker room and go sit in Yager's actual <laughs> spot. And he sat there and he had me take a picture of him. He's like, are you sure this is okay? I'm like, dude, whatever the hell you want. And it was such a moment of pure joy and, and happiness and love and wonder. That's what I'm thinking of uh, today. Uh, he and I would talk about our kids and our families and uh, and hockey and wrestling. And he was just such an, a, an amazing, uh, special person who this business, sometimes you don't always get that. And he was just a genuine, remarkable human being. And uh, I just want to say, you know, at the top of this, that uh uh, I love you. I'm going to miss talking with you. And uh, I'm sure we'll all see you somewhere down the road. Brody, uh, I mean, I loved, I mean, I loved his in-ring work as a Luke Harper. And, you know, this past year, uh, his matches, I mean, he really showed you what you can do in that, in that main event spot. You know, I think in the dog collar match with Cody and in the uh, world title match at double or nothing with Moxley, especially, you know, that's kind of where both were Moxley, uh, solidified his bulldog choke and now it's become you know just another finisher for him and a big part of that was you know putting down Brody and he was kind of like he was like oh it was like putting down a rhino I remember he said that in the promo the next week and that's what that match was if you like that type of match and also I, I, you know because I, I don't know Brody so I can only speak on his in-ring wrestling and I, I was kind of thinking about where Brody's place was in the WWE when he was the Harper character as far as an in-ring technician and I, I think that like there was a there was a lot of especially around 2015 2016 there was a lot of like the heralding the Daniel Bryans and the Cesaros and and these guys who had just you know made that leap from Ring of Honor to WWE. But for me, like Harper was kind of a throwback to you know the NWA style and like every you know like if you look at his matches, you know like almost all of his moves mean something and. You know, and 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 for me, that's why kind of he had all these great matches with all these different people that, nece that weren't necessarily his style, uh, but he was able to slow them down and ground them in a way, um, you know, kind of like similar to almost like Arn Anderson was back in the day. Um, 
or you know i mean obviously um uh you know king brody um but yeah it's 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 real sad and you know everyone i've known you know even you know besides robert like dan soder knew him and um they say he was a great guy so 41 man that is just wow that is insane and, uh, yeah yeah terrible yeah. kid is a huge fan like a fan in in the way i'm sure we were where oh, yeah. I, I saw this interview where brody is talking about losing the tnt title and his kid instead of like you know oh you got beat or whatever it's you lost the title but now you need to go after the tag titles because you go after title you know just like he's got booker brain at eight because he loves pro wrestling yeah uh, <laughs> i read that uh, the kid would sleep with the title yeah and then um you know i i heard uh i think scott you told me that his son and Kenny Omega had a match and the son won the title yeah. like uh, at their last taping. And that, that's a shit that makes me love wrestling, you know, like, and, and that makes me love AEW, you know, that these, these guys are just friends and family and they work together and they love each other. And uh, yeah, he's going to be missed. He was fantastic. Um, and he always looked like he was happy. He was there. Like he loved wrestling and he made you love wrestling more. You know, in so many ways, uh, wrestling once again proves why it's so much better than the comedy community because <laughs> I don't know if I could say this about one. I don't even know Luke Harper. I mean, Brody and him. Uh, but yeah, he, he was a, apparently had like a big love of serial killers too. And that's part of why what his next incantation of this character was. Um, am I missing anything else, Robert, before we. Uh, move on no i think this was uh this was great thanks guys awesome um and we'll uh let's uh let's start the uh second part of the total f and marks awards have a good one Kissing babies and hugging fat girls. You are a sniveling little suck-up sellout full of suffering succotash, son. It's me, Austin! Oh, son of a bitch! And you book a match with me, that's right, Keelan. Look at me. I'm a total package. I will rip him apart. I'm pissed now. Where to, Stephanie? Total fucking marks with Dan St. Germain. Welcome, everybody, to the Total Effing Marks. I am the king of sad style, the man with the largest calves in the world, the St. Germain event. Joining me, as always, is Sergeant Slaughterhouse, Andy Cups. AKA Robert Carpolis, Mike Lawrence, who we, I think we kind of had a nickname the other week. You got it? Oh, I don't, I don't remember what it was. The other, Mike, the other, like the other uh, episode, you froze on Zoom and you looked angelic. We were talking. About <laughs> yeah, you looked so at peace. Was, you can, you can, you can, uh, you can call me the Jer- How about that? I'm a jabroni. <laughs> The jabroni? Nah, come on. We got to get something better than that. Uh, the Zach, jabroni. Yeah, and I like Zach that. Attack. 
Jubroni sounds like a deserted Adele. Oh, I thought you just said Jubroni, and I was like, no, Mike, you depressed? Jubroni. No, Jubroni's good. Yeah. I'll probably get <laughs> called out by the Anti-Defamation League or some bullshit. Yeah. Podcast. <laughs> yeah, you're right. If, if, I, I'd be so lucky to have anyone listen to this podcast to get offended by it. Uh, all right, let's, uh, let's, 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 uh, let's get this fucking two-bit award show. That's the Markies. We're back for a second night. We're going to start out with best gear. Best gear for a second year in a row. I am picking Okada. Nobody has a cooler uh, robe or coat or whatever, or jacket when they come to the ring. It's just like Ric Flair, fuck Tron. It's awesome. That's my pick. Kenny Omega, I'm going to give a shout out just because he does have the Canadian Ric Flair going, but I'm always going to pick the most extravagant, the, you know, the most opulent, the, the shiniest toy on the shelf as far as uh, best gear is concerned. Mike Lawrence. I got to go El Terror Purpura. Uh, that was the Thanos based luchador. Um, Cause he had the weight belt that had the infinity gems. And that's amazing to me. So, you know, I'm not the biggest Brian Cage fan, but you put him in a purple mask and, a, and an Infinity Gem weight belt, and now I love him. Dude, he was great in that. That match was, like, yeah. kind of fun. Yeah. I mean, all the costumes were pretty cool, but that one was, like, especially amazing to me. Leo Rush did the finishing move that Spider-Man does in Marvel vs. Capcom. Yeah. <laughs> fucking crazy. Yeah, yeah. That, that was an awesome costume, too. Scott? Uh, Kenny Omega for me. Uh, Howling makes it H A O M I N G. It just reminds me of RVD's gear, and he used to have the best gear, but it just looks cooler to me. Uh, and it's always like Demon Slayer inspired, at least the last two were. And I'm a big fan of that, so I just kind of mark out when I see it. Yeah, man, his hair. It's all about the hair. God, can some perm. Favorite gear when you want the wrestler to constantly take it off. <laughs> um oh awesome no. fucking hurt business was out of control this year they were great um i i'm torn i had an answer and then i just thought of uh, uh of the, the answer i had written down was uh was uh angelico um because we still don't know exactly what his gimmick is but it, it clearly looks like he he you know he was deep sea diving and then went to a nightclub and i like that combination <laughs> Um, but then I remembered because when I was tweeting during one of the AEW pay-per-views, Luchasaurus, who has a very cool looking outfit, his mask came off and I made a joke about that. And he replied, what mask? And for that reason alone, I'm, I'm giving him uh, the, the nod for, for best gear. Keeping kayfabe alive. Zach? Uh, I really liked uh, Seth Rollins copying Rey Mysterio's uh halloween havoc gear at SummerSlam. i thought that was really cool i did too uh, but the okada entrance and that get up was special this year so i'm gonna i still remember it i'm gonna go okada moment that would have been better with a live crowd for me um which is probably a lot of people's answers it's drew mcintyre winning the wwe title at wrestlemania I, i'm bummed out because i like drew mcintyre I mean, if anyone for me is a victim of 2020, it's Drew McIntyre. Um, because we saw two new champions on SmackDown and Raw. And, I mean, 
you know, like I, I'm going to, I mean, I'll talk about Braun in, in another award, but, you know, as far as like what Drew had to do, like, was it, was he my favorite wrestler of the year? No. But as far as like the heavy lifting that dude had to do this year, I mean, he wasn't even my favorite wrestler in WWE this year, but as, as far as like what he had to do in the, in just the, the general, like moving the chains along, I mean, nobody else has even come close to that. It, it, it's just, it's such a bummer that he, he couldn't get that moment. Robert? Uh, it's a great pick. I love Drew. I think he he is one of those people who has made it seem like there's a crowd when there isn't a crowd, just the way that he he does react. Um, but my pick was Orange Cassidy beating Chris Jericho. I think uh, that Orange Cassidy gimmick, I, I yeah. still go back to Dan's point about how he's their undertaker. That moment in front of a full live audience of, of Orange Cassidy beating Jericho and the eruption that that would have been would have anointed him in in such a way that I feel like he would have been undeniable going forward. Scott? Yeah, I think debuts like Dominic Mysterio, um, you know, aside from the obvious, which I I, I did write down McIntyre's championship victory, but any major victories, Omega beating Moxley, and then the Callus thing would have been huge in front of a crowd. Um, But debuts for me, especially someone like when Ryder showed up in AEW, Matt Cardona and he oh. just runs out and then like it's like did it, it it's one of those things where it's like you know in the Brady Bunch in two episodes there was another kid or whatever the hell like right, he right. was there for a minute and part of me knows that if he did run out and there was a crowd there at least he would have got something at least a moment of people giving a shit no that guy got fucked by <laughs> 2020 yeah Mike yeah I gotta go with the uh the Undertaker's retirement because it was like, why are we even doing this without a crowd? When it felt like a scene st- from Halo or something. Dude, it was bizarre. But when all the, the Bone Street crew and, and Mannequin Vince and everybody came out, like, it was just sad. It was really, like, I know we don't have, like, saddest moment of the year, but just Taker dying and giving way to alt-right Mark Calloway was really heartbreaking. And... And then him not even getting like a great send off. So I, I got to go with that one. It just, I feel like what was the point if there wasn't, a, you, you could have just waited. Um, the saddest moment of the year was four guys who were either married or basically married, uh, giving their opinions on the best matches of the year. On a podcast. <laughs> yeah. But if we're not together, we just feel alone. <laughs> <laughs> what a fucked up captain planet we'd make. Um, Zach Drew McIntyre winning the title it should have happened in front of a crowd it's very very sad thinking about it very very much a bummer cringiest promotional tactic Uh, there were were quite a few for me this year Uh, but for me any the, the number one cringiest promotional tactic was advertising anybody over the age of 60 on a Monday Night Raw during a pandemic when COVID was that <laughs> contagious. And in Florida where Governor DeSantis, I guess thinks if you pray, it'll go, it'll go away. And then you'll be able to go to fucking Universal Studios or something. Uh, I, I would have to say, you know, advertising, even though, and, and look, fucking, my, strangely enough, like I'll, I'll talk about it. I think Flair had the promo of the year. So as a wrestling fan, I enjoyed it, which is kind of cringy. Um, but yeah, it was just, they, they should have probably, look, I, I'm like, I could go either way on whether or not they should have wrestled during a pandemic, but I 
do think that they should have. And AEW too, they should have left off. They should have left out anybody over 60 who wasn't a commentator. I think they should have just kind of been like, hey, stay home. Robert? There was a couple of, of, uh, of humdingers for me. I think the one that I went with was, uh, and this goes back to, to night one, uh, was something that Mike had pointed out. There was the atrocious situation that occurred with Matt Hardy and Sammy Guevara. The, the bump was wildly unsafe when it happened. As soon as I saw it, I'm like, this is terrible. The way they handled it throughout the pay-per-view was really bad when they kept trying to say he talked to the doctor. The doctor said he's fine. But the cringiest moment was Rebby Hardy, who was genuinely pissed off and concerned about her husband. They forced her to show up at AEW to kind of be like, all right, everything's fine. Like, we're all good you when you know. A forced thing? There's no it way she went of her, her own volition. No, this was them yeah. calling me like you like this. That's a Vince move right there. It's get your wife here on TV, holding the baby to be like, look, we're all okay. We're good with this when there's no way that she was going to be good with it. And that really uh, sat poorly with me. Scott. Yeah. That bothered me a lot. Also, I don't even know if it counts. It should count, but Drake Maverick being fired. I knew that was going to be yours. That's a good one. And then them realizing that they could make us, however it occurred, just the grossest, just him fighting in a tournament to eventually then be given a contract so he could cry and hug Triple H. It's the grossest, while, while, while people still remained fired. Uh, that, that sucked. Mike? I mean, yeah, I got to go with Robert on this one. Uh I mean, tipping the hand a little bit, but but Hardy isn't my worst of for a couple of things. And I mean, but yeah, her having to come out there was uncomfortable. It felt like he was retiring or like being away for a couple months. Like he's like, I'll be back. I'm okay. And then he was there like the next week with private party. The, the whole thing was just a mess. And like I said, I mean... I don't think it would have made me stop watching the company, but it's it's the thing that made me uh, think twice about them. I can't call them like this moral pure company for a while until like I feel they're way ahead of. But no, what that was like moral and pure. That's like the government's job, you know. Like no, I get it, but it just the fact that him and Sammy even wrestled again and and it, it like just distance yourself from it. it you made a mistake the doctor should have noticed something you didn't don't put it on tv now don't keep continuing it so it was very weird to have that cinematic match after the yes. whole very weird zach i'm going with scott on this one i thought the jake the drake maverick thing was also pretty gross i i hated it that was probably the worst thing about nxt this year not All right, Zach, you have your way. They're going to fire Drake Maverick now. Uh, I'm going to make a call. <laughs> would we would we count um, banning of uh, Twitch and Cami promotional tactic? Uh, I, oh, you know yeah. I was thinking yeah. about that, but yeah, I mean, like I was I was thinking about that. It, it doesn't seem like it fits the category, but it, it definitely sucked. Yeah, definitely yeah. sucked. I All right, next one. This is courtesy of Michael. There, but, yeah. This is probably my favorite uh, award category, but worst merch. There is a few answers for me. I'll get to my final one. I went on the WWE shop, the New Japan shop, the AEW shop. Uh, the Fiend fanny pack is pretty bad. 
It's pretty gross. It looks like you're feeding Bray Wyatt's. Um, <laughs> Ultimate Warrior wine is crazy. Just because if that guy drank wine to hear his opinions about stuff, it would be like a scene from American History X. The FDR hot dog shirt, I did not enjoy that. But my winner is the two, is the two contract Cutler shirt. It is a Brandon Cutler shirt where it's a Dungeons and Dragons dragon holding two contracts. One is a wrestler and one is an office member. I'm not fucking making this up. <laughs> and uh, something tells me the office one is for a little bit more money. I, I don't know. Uh, Mike, this is your category. Yeah, I mean, Brave Fanny Pack is pretty amazing. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with the uh, Brandy Rhodes action figure. Um, she hasn't really had a match. Uh, she was in the first wave. Her character is not defined. I feel like it should have been somebody like Sheeta. I think that there are other more prominent women in the company that wrestle, and so that one. Um, I mean, the AW figures in general, I'm a big wrestling figure guy. I have two Nelson Frazier action figures. I have a King Mabel and a Viscera. But um, their distribution has not been good on the AW ones, so I haven't even gotten any of them yet. But uh, Brandy in the first wave, I thought, it just felt like nepotism, and it felt like it sent a bad message to the other women. Like, why even try? She's ahead of you. Scott? So I judged it based on this because there's a lot of bad ones. Man, Cutler has some awful ones. I mean, Dark Order has some really, really brutal uh, yeah. T-shirts. No, Dark but, Order was so bad I couldn't even look at them on the on on the website. Like it's my eyes just naturally went to the next row. Yeah, but real fans know the worst merch is the merch of a wrestler you want to buy, but they just don't have shit worth buying. And I think MJF's T-shirts stink there's not one of them that's awesome and i want an mjf t-shirt yeah me too robert so i i almost went with warrior wine um because i i think i said this before if if you're on a date and you show up and he has warrior wine run for your fucking life um but <laughs> wait there's war i know there's undertaker can you imagine, wine can yeah, you there... imagine a scene in sideways with ultimate warrior wine <laughs> uh, this must be from uh well, 1990, Toronto, WrestleMania 6. Get in the spaceship and man the cockpit and eject the pilots. I miss my wife. Yeah, is there, Robert, is there Ultimate Warrior wine or did you there, mean there's, It's Undertaker wine and Ultimate Warrior wine. Oh, my because, God. Yes, because when, when you want a classy evening, uh, you want the uh, a dead homophobic uh, steroided <laughs> up sociopath. But the genuine one I picked of worst merch was WWE Battleground, uh, the video game. Uh, oh, God, yeah. So I, I grew up loving wrestling video games, haven't played one in a while. I decided, you now I'm going to try to buy a PlayStation 5 because I'm a fucking idiot. It's never going to happen. Um, like the kids in China aren't working fast enough. But the problem was WWE 2K20 was such a dumpster fire that rather than taking the time to make a good quality video game, they made a game that served nobody's interest. When I saw the commercial, it's like, oh, you can throw the wrestler to an alligator and the alligator will eat him. Uh, so it's a cartoony game built for children who don't understand the, the who the characters are because all the characters are old school wrestlers from the past because nobody currently on the roster is over. So it's like play as your favorite stars like Hulk Hogan, Steve Austin and The Rock in a video game for 2020 that's designed for children, uh, which is just 
a disaster on so many different levels. Uh, and uh, I, I was shocked. Zach? Uh, Shotzi Blackheart's shit pictures. <laughs> That's the only way I can come. Uh, next up, I'm just joking. I Look, man, I mean, like, all power to you. If you can sell pictures of your dookie online, you know, there's so many worse ways to make a living. I'd much rather sell my dookie online than wait in an X, NXT crowd for 10 hours. I'd rather sell my shit online than do anything. If you could make a profit, that oh, yeah, should be your sure. job or you're a fool. Yeah. Turn yeah. shit into gold, baby. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Worst booking decision of the year. Let's start with Mike Lawrence. Oh boy, this one was tough. I'm I'm gonna. I know that uh, you know I've, I've given the Sammy Hardy feud enough shit, so I'm gonna go. I know I'm alone. Drew Mackin. We didn't hear you, Mike. Say you you cut out. What you you're say? breaking up. Oh, sorry. I said um, Drew McIntyre as champion. Oh shit! He's a mid carter. Oh shit! It oh, wouldn't have worked God. even with a live crowd. Oh my god! Yeah. Even your Wi-Fi didn't agree with that answer. That's why I was breaking <laughs> up. He ain't a star. Yeah, go back to Impact. Headline there. My yeah. goodness, Kenny Omega's headlining in Impact next month. Well, there you go. No. Oh, my um, uh, Zach. Uh, oh man, it definitely wasn't that. Uh, it was probably the worst one. There's so many bad ones. Uh, wrestling even happening all year was probably the worst book in the Would have been a very dull podcast otherwise. <laughs> That's true. true, Scott. Um, Raw Underground having oh, come on, Raw, Raw Underground wasn't that bad, it was, was it? Terrible Raw starting at 10 and the lights are dark. Raw, just Raw. Raw was a bad booking decision this year, <laughs> Robert. No cutting to commercial during a match, so now you have like a they bunch of to best two out of three man. falls matches. I mean, they, uh, they just kept using almost as a way to uh fade out every time, it was it was really bad. Well, they said fade to black and they went literal. Yeah, (laughs) was seeing seeing Raw be booked. It just it was so like blatantly bad writing. You know when you're watching something that's not that good, you don't necessarily think the dialogue. Yeah, it was pretty. It's just something that's not that good. When you watch Raw, you are literally thinking about writers in a room. That's how bad it is. You're going, who do I blame? And that's where your brain goes. Robert, so. Speaking of uh, a writer in the WWE yes, room, speaking Robert. of someone who watches the show and just thinks about how miserable the writers are during every segment, like uh, I can hear uh, Ed Kosky's anguish. But uh, yeah, no, I think blame the writers, man. The writers have no, no the, the writers have no control whatsoever in this. Uh, Kosky's anguish sounds like a great Ernest Hemingway novel. I mean, Kosky. It's more of a Philip Roth novel, if it's if there's anything. It's Portnoy's complaint and Kosky's lament. <laughs> the Kosky lament, uh, the great Polish coming of age story. Kosky's lament. Uh, so I think the worst booking decision of the year was definitely not uh, putting the title on Drew. I think that was the right decision. The worst booking decision was beating Drew 
and having him lose the title. Uh, he's been trying to build momentum month after month, and the audience was finally, I really believe, fully getting behind him and seeing him as a top star. And then they cut his legs out from under him by having Randy Orton win the title. And all of a sudden, it's like the problem WWE's had for years is you you believe in a guy, and then they laugh at you for believing in him and making this person seem credible. They were finally booking Drew correctly, and then they fucked it up with that, and now you're trying to restart the process again, and it's going to be much harder. Yeah. Robert loves Drew. Mike hates Drew. Dude, Ricochet, Keith Lee, just so many bad booking decisions this year. I mean, yeah, I mean, there's some rough ones. I'm going to go with the uh, Eric Rowan spider reveal to No Way Jose. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot that was this year. Was that this year? Uh, that oh, this year. I thought that was 98, dude. No, that was after the Rumble. For, that was 98. Oh, wow. Yeah, it that was, was pretty I amazing. mean, to think about, like, how bad the spider looked, it looked like Jim Henson's, like, like uh i don't know like half-witted brother like decided to make something awful um, i want to i want to honorable mention since you know i don't want to just be hated for the drew bashing goldberg goldberg in 2020 coming goldberg back and yeah but then like the Braun mash all, all just all of it stunk yeah wasn't i'm, I'm kind of surprised nobody said the handling of retribution I feel like they they had an interesting germ of an idea and then just completely dropped the ball repeatedly week after week after week to the point where it almost feels like it's like experimental. Yeah, retribution is actually so bad that I was blaming retribution for it. Like it's like it just it's just it's like a plague. It's like COVID. It's like, yeah, look, like. <laughs> We can point fingers. We could have done better, but at the end of the day, it's retribution. It's going to do what it does. You know? I like that your hierarchy of 2020 was the worst thing was retribution. The second was COVID. <laughs> you lost Ruth Bader Ginsburg and Mace. <laughs> I mean, I mean, what would you say was the worst part of retribution? Was it when they were the rebel stable that then just got hired by the company? Yes, it was yes. when they had like 30 guys who were all five foot three, and then all of a sudden retribution turned into like guys were like, are we supposed to know who it is or not supposed to know who it is? Uh, and then they all get signed to contracts, and the big reveal is their leader is Ali. Yeah. Dude, they would show up on SmackDown and be like, chaos has ensued. And they would like tip over a fucking cup. (laughs) Next up, manager of the year. I'm going to go with Paul Heyman just because of talking smack. I mean, the segments on Kevin Owens and Big E were incredible. Robert? I mean, it's it's Paul Heyman. He is the slapjack of managers. Um, he's that good. <laughs> yes, his talking, the talk, the stuff he's done on Talking Smack, where he made Big E and Kevin Owens relevant. The the way that he started the year as Brock Lesnar's uh, mouthpiece and was incredible as the advocate, and then pivoted his character to being the uh, you know special advisor to the uh, to the chief Roman Reigns. Everything he does is so much better than anything that anybody else does on TV. It's not even fair. It's yeah, it's it's crazy, Scott. Yeah, uh, yeah, I agree. Uh, honorable mention to uh, I thought Selena Vega did a really great job this year. Oh yeah, she was awesome. They, um, they didn't. Use unfortunately, she doesn't follow rules, and she had to go. Them's the rules. 
but uh, but no, I thought she I thought she was awesome this year. And Callis is doing a pretty good job. Oh, Taz, man, you forget Taz is a manager. It's a bummer that Jake isn't a highlight. I guess he's not. We, that kind of went sour. <laughs> but, just, every promo can't be about like fucking somebody with a yeah. Sand. You know, you gotta switch it up a little bit. <laughs> he was like threatening to like spit down women's throats and shit when he was in the ring. Like, take the mic that? away from Jake. He like, he, like uh, he did like the magic mic dance with the snake over Brandy, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I guess it's time for me to bust a nut. Like, what are you talking about? Go home, Jake. Um, I ain't got nowhere to go. I come so I don't cry. <laughs> okay, so I'm gonna I, look. Heyman, Heyman is just fantastic. He he's so he's been so good to the point that it's not even that impressive anymore. He's in his own league. So I am gonna go Taz on this one because I think Taz, like, look, Taz had to get over guys who, in some cases, were not gonna get over themselves. And I think I love what I love about Taz is when he does commentary for his guys' matches, he adds something to it. There's a reason he's there. So um, I think of all the wrestlers who are managers, which there's way too many in AEW, he's by far the best. So I, I go Taz on this one. Zach? Paul Heyman. Worst promo of the year. I'm going to cheat and say it's a four way tie between a segment called Smackdown Karaoke. That was, without a doubt, the most brutal segment of the year. I'm going to count, like, Snooka's weird singing as a promo. Like, it, <laughs> I, you know, like, honorable mention, I thought Sammy Callahan kind of dropped the ball on impact, but uh, the Smackdown Karaoke segment was so bad, they made fun of it the next week. I mean, it is an all-time classically bad segment. I, I actually recommend watching that more than anything else on this episode robert braun Strowman. um braun Strowman. they they gave him the ball and he ate it and it got stuck in his throat and he tried to talk his promo is just loud yelling uh as a baby face as a quasi baby face everything with that storyline with him and the fiend was brutal uh he he has the natural charisma of a villain in a jean-claude van damme movie he needs to never, ever, ever talk again. I agree with that, Mike. Well, first off, uh, there's some great charismatic uh, Jean Claude Van Damme villains. Uh, you've you've got uh, Ron Silver, the late Ron Silver, and Time Cop, and of the course great Lance Hollywood Hed Republican. Yeah, damn right. And yeah, Lance he was Hendrick on the West Wing. He's forgiven. Okay, and 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 Lance Hendrickson was fucking great in Hard Target. Um, but anyway, uh, oh, Powers Booth and Sudden Death. Uh, I would say I have to go with the Triple H uh, 25th anniversary, specifically Vince's segment. Oh my God. Yup. Yup. That's what I got. It felt like the end. It felt like he died and we've been seeing a ghost ever since. Like, you know, he, you know, I was going to say we, but like he lost Howard and, uh, you know, Finkel and uh, Patterson this year, like two of his like closest lifelong employees there. It just feels like he's empty, man. It, the taker one was a little sad, but him trying to roast triple H and Shawn Michaels in an empty arena 
was the saddest thing I've, yes, I've seen in a long time. him not wanting to be there was – it was an insane moment of <laughs> – Yeah. We we literally saw Vince McMahon give up on air. I mean, yeah. he completely yeah. you gave can, you up can tell, on, like, on air. You can tell, like, he was still not over crying about losing the XFL. Like, he was just so defeated. Yeah, he was still Dude, pissed I, about COVID and – yeah. We, we, yeah don't, we don't have – we don't have a, an award for this, but – most badass move of the year is The Rock purchasing the XFL. <laughs> I mean, holy shit. What a giant fuck you. Zach? Braun Strowman. I would go with, you know, the thing with Braun Strowman is I came up with this category. I don't know if I guys emailed it to you or not. That's why I was wondering whether or not to bring it up. But if this falls a drop the ball award, I would go with Braun Strowman. Oh, we have we have the drop the ball award. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah we got to drop the ball. Drop uh, the yeah. ball award, I would, I would go with go with Braun Strowman like without a doubt I mean you know like they gave you know beating Goldberg is still a big deal in that company and you know like I had sympathy for Drew's run because I think he genuinely tried and I think Braun Strowman tried too it just was such a weird fit Robert so I had I was down to two I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Brian Cage um I I think that it was, it was between him and Lance Archer in terms of guys they tried to plug into that spot to go up against uh, Dean Amherst or John Moxley. And it just felt like they didn't do anything with it. But I think Brian Cage was, was so much worse where he's now the third or fourth most over guy in Team Taz when he should have been the monster at the top of the card of AEW and was part of this problem I've had with AEW of they bring guys in, they build them up quickly, then they kill them off and then they're directionless. And I think even worse, Brian cage can be somewhat talented when he's, when he's directed the right way, he's super reckless. Um, the, the, the spot that he did with Darby where he just threw him in the body bag. Uh, I think that he's, I think he's been eclipsed by, uh, by every other member of team Taz and, uh, he should have been a, a big star for AEW, and he's going to be on AEW Dark for a long time. Put him in a Bane mask or something. I, I yeah, because or, or Thanos mask. I mean, because the thing too is uh, Ricky Starks could easily be an underrated. I mean, Ricky Starks is freaking awesome. Yeah, he and did. immediately outshined uh, Cage. Yeah, Starks rules hard. Um, Scott. Drop the ball, man. For me, uh, Matt Hardy. And, and what I mean by that is he finally got this opportunity to to show us what he does. You know, apparently he's just too creative for WWE. And then he does, and it's like, man, this is a part of the show I do not want to see. And then we don't like it. And, you know, he's constantly reinventing himself every two weeks, and none of it is at all enjoyable. And I think he dropped the ball uh, in terms of – what people said he was and you know just i don't think he was yeah it was it was rough it was rough which leads us to probably our our, our most uh high, hotly contested contested category worst wrestler of the year i'm gonna go a little outside the box on this and say gronk gronk to me was uh unable to even read copy um he made that arena feel emptier and uh you know he just it, it just was just such a weird fit trying to get 
Elias over as a baby face. It was just such a train wreck. So I'm going to go with, uh, I'm going to go with one of the best tight ends in the world. Gronk Scott. <laughs> I had Nia Jax. Yeah. I mean, uh, not just because she's not very good in the ring. I actually don't mind seeing her in the ring. Uh, it's the fact that after every match, there's immediately a follow-up of who she injured or who's pissed off at her because, you know, she was being reckless. Uh, so you had Nia. Lawrence? They should just put Nia in the UFC. She's great at hurting people. <laughs> just have the same matches, their shoots. She's great. Um, Nia Jackson, I, Francis Nagano. <laughs> worst wrestler of the year, my pick, and I'm hoping this is his last year of eligibility and he's gone forever, is Lars Sullivan. Um, this isn't just bell to bell. I think across the board, his promos are uncomfortable. Every time they push him, it feels gross. I don't want to I'm see him freak. on TV. He's a yeah. He's a he's a freak. He's he's. I'm worried he's going to injure somebody. They're going to use talented people constantly to get him over. There's plenty of wrestlers that they have who deserve TV time. He is probably at the bottom of the list, far below a guy like Baron Corbin in terms of any worth of, of television whatsoever. He needs to go away and, and never come back. Like I want a fate worse than impact. Ah. <laughs> Zach. Braun Strowman. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Did I get everybody on that? All right. So. Uh, best. Uh, I mean, this is kind of a cop at female wrestler of the year. It should just be rest, best wrestler of the year. And there's an argument. Oh, shut up, Dan. No, I'm serious. Look, I'm not a social justice dude, but every if I agree with one position, I'll, I'll say I agree with one position. Anyway, uh, I would go with Sasha Banks for this. Scott? Sasha Banks all day. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. She's Mike? great. Oscar. Robert? Ooh, great choice. It's boss time. And Zach? Sasha. It? But Sasha Banks. All right. Well, that's okay. Oscar had a great year, though. She, she really did. did have a great year. Uh, pay-per-view or event or network event or special of the year for me, it was double or nothing. I just had a blast watching it with everybody. Um, I love the uh, Brody Lee and John Moxley match. I love the um, the uh, Stadium Stampede match. It was just a great time. I, I had a blast. That's why I watch wrestling. Robert. So the the category um, was was labeled as event or pay-per-view of the year. And I think that there is no pay-per-view event when you look back at 2020 that people are, are going to remember more than WrestleMania 36. I think the fact that there was a WrestleMania that took place with no audience across two nights is historic. And I think, and I said this way back when WrestleMania happened, there's enough good stuff that happened in those two nights to call together one incredible WrestleMania show. I, I think there were some really interesting decisions that they made there. I think that the John Cena, Bray Wyatt, uh, Firehouse, Firefly Funhouse thing was one of the most bizarre and interesting things WWE has done in at least a I decade. It. it showed that they were self-aware. I love the anointing of Drew McIntyre as a champion. So when people like shit on Pritchard. That was a fucking great segment. Oh, he's, he's a fantastic producer when he's motivated to do that yeah, kind of shit. Um, I like the, I like the edge Randy Orton match quite a bit. 
Uh, Boneyard match was was definitely interesting. The Kevin Owens Seth Rollins match was underrated as being a very, very good, good match. Sam, Sami Zayn Daniel Bryan was a very good match. Uh, the fact that this is probably uh, one of the last times we're going to see Becky Lynch wrestle was, it makes it somewhat memorable. I think WrestleMania overall is going to be uh, probably the most memorable thing to come out of uh, out of 2020. I'm gonna. I just want to say dark horse picks were. Uh, Okada and Ibushi at Wrestle Kingdom for me, and the Royal Rumble this year. I've loved those two matches for very different reasons. Scott? Well, we're not doing match, right? We're doing show. We're doing show of the year. Oh, I'm sorry. Show of the year. My bad. So show show for me, um, dude, AEW Revolution was so much fun for me. You had Sammy and Darby, and I think the second match to the night was unbelievable. Um, The Bucks versus Omega and Paige and the tag match. I mean, that was unreal seeing that tag match. Unbelievable. Uh, Pack and Orange was fucking amazing. That was yeah, Orange's Pack debut. versus Orange was on that show. That was unreal. MJF and Cody was good. You got a result out of it. And then you had Jericho's uh, entrance and he fought, what, Moxley? And then Moxley won the title. So, and the crowd, I don't know if you remember, but they had like wristbands on and they glue different colors and stuff, which kind of showed you where AEW was going with like crowds and pay-per-views and stuff, but I don't know. I, lo- I love that pay-per-view, though. Chicago crowd. Good Great time. pay-per-view. Zach? Uh, WrestleMania for everything Robert said. I totally agree. That was my answer. I'm going to go uh, match of the year. I'm going to say, uh, well, I just, I just told you, Stadium Stampede, uh, even though I love the work rate of Ibushi and Okada. You know, I, I love the work rate of Osprey and Ishii. I, I had a like Royal Rumble as far as the WWE back, booked match. You can't get better than that. I mean, it was the best Royal Rumble that I've seen at least, I think it's since the Flair one, honestly. It's the second best Rumble that I've ever seen. Uh, but I would still go with Stadium Stampede. Uh, everybody in it was a blast. Jericho was hilarious. It was just a, it was just a good, in the words of Scott Chapman, it was just a good ass time. Scott? Yo, so we're match of the year right now. Match yeah. of the year. It's tough, man. I mean, Okada Ibushi is definitely, like, technically, I go, that is match of the year. From from entrances to wrestling to crowd, that's it. But if I couldn't pick that one, um, yes, Stadium Stampede, man. I think it just encapsulates whatever the hell this year was. Yeah. Mike? I, uh, for, for best show, it's funny because, like, Nope, sorry. I, that's okay. I want to give I want to give praise to two different things, and so I will go with the Rumble as uh, my favorite show because, and it is the the main event match. But you know, yeah, you you came over. I had some friends over when you could still do that. I won. I think sixty bucks. Uh, yeah. Good night. <laughs> so Drew Drew made me some money, uh, but yeah. now especially in a Pat Patterson like. If he had anything to do with that match, what a what an incredible way to go out! Uh, you know, I know he often helped with those. Uh, yeah, I think it. Yeah, I think it's the best Rumble since '92. Yeah, and so I will go that. And then, yeah, I have to say, yeah, if there's one match, it's Stampede. Just the joy. Look, Hardy worked in that match. Like everything was just perfect. The barroom stuff. The yeah, um, Jericho elbowing the mascot, the Sammy golf cart callback, like to have 10 people 
and they all had a moment to shine and we the three of us watched it on zoom and just were smiling and laughing and yeah i think i rewatched it three times that weekend i mean the boneyard match i think set the template for what that could be and stadium stampede just took it to a whole other level so i, I was genuinely i mean i had this about the boneyard match too but i was genuinely like it was the first time like i was like i needed that you know like yeah i yep. actually therapeutically needed a match like that uh scott we got your answer uh robert uh i went with the 2020 men's royal rumble uh i thought that to me was match of the year for a couple reasons i think that they rarely upend the formula you have for the royal rumble and what they did with brock in the beginning of just destroying guys one after the other after the other reminded me as a kid of playing like the Royal Rumble on a PlayStation game on super easy and you just dump everybody out. And, you, and yeah. I was like, this is a, a really bold, interesting choice. They make Brock look like a monster. And I'm like, whoever eliminates him is going to be anointed, which made me excited because you're going to make somebody in a match and, and the Royal Rumble, you can do that. They did it with diesel. They did it with Kane and the return of, of MVP was really cool. And it, it led to a lot with him. The return of edge I thought was incredible. Drew, winning in the end and it not being edge and it not being Roman Reigns was a huge sign of faith in him and kind of shows why 2020 sucks because I feel like the WWE in January, 2020 was doing a lot of interesting things that got upended because of COVID. And there's this big asterisk of what if, and I think that's what the 2020 Royal Rumble will be remembered for. Zach. Uh, well, the best match in my opinion was also the, men's royal rumble when the bell rings to when the bell rings but my favorite segment that was billed as a match was the firefly funhouse match and i don't think i'll be forgetting that anytime soon it was such good shit (laughs) Uh, best single promo of the year i'm gonna go with old yeller man rick flair's promo to randy orton on monday night raw was for me i mean there were a few promos like, I loved Cody's promo last year when he was talking about Jericho. It was such a great fucking babyface promo. But Ric Flair's promo was heartbreaking. It was like a scene out of what, what Miller's Crossing or something. Uh, it was fantastic. That That's my pick. Robert? The, uh, the Eddie Kingston, John Moxley, when they talked about Kingston's mom, and the 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 way they made the, I mean it was so real and it was so personal and it was so intense. Uh, it was uncomfortable in the best kind of way, where you again you felt this felt like a scene out of a movie. And I, I think that Eddie Kingston on the microphone is remarkable. And this was him on a on the biggest stage that there is, getting a chance to do that. And uh, it stuck with me. And uh, I thought it was I thought it was incredible. Scott. Yep. That was for me too. Kingston Moxley, man, that shit blew me away. The way Kingston turned around, uh, like he wanted to hit him and was Kingston does like, I'm not going to cry face during promos, which somehow works. It doesn't make him look like a coward. <laughs> he always it feels like he's look like a one man show about Washington Heights. Dude. It's so good. I mean, did he cut a promo like on God last week? Did, didn't he point so. up at God at one point? Yeah. yeah he, they, they still got beef. They're going to blow it yeah. off at double or nothing next this year. Shit. Yeah, Mox, Moxley Kingston, man. That was, that he was always cool. looks like a cop posing undercover in a high school. <laughs> <laughs> Mike? 
Yeah, I, you know, I got to go with, because um, there's no category. I mean, that that one was phenomenal. Where do we put the dinner debonair? Because goddamn. Uh, you know, I would say best segment of the year. Yeah. I okay. Mean... Yeah. So then if we're not putting that there, because it would be God, because I fucking love that thing. I'm going to go uh, February. Uh, Eddie Kingston, you could look this up. I think it was for Progress Wrestling um, called. He did this promo called I'm Tired of Making Stars. Oh, my God. It's great. And yep. he's beating up um, who who was Dragonov the the guy that went up against Walter yeah, in one of the PET that Dragonov sells like it's a bullet yeah him. so he's like beating him up while he's got the microphone it feels like the prelude to his AEW run and it was the first time where I watched that guy and I'm like I love this guy so I gotta go with that but I mean yeah that Moxley segment I thought he brought the best out of Moxley and they both were great in that but for one singular performance uh Eddie Kingston I'm tired of making stars Zach I think the Eddie Kingston John Moxley one takes it for me but a close second was Randy Orton's explanation to Beth Phoenix that got me really fired up for the match but uh, I think I'm gonna go Moxley and Kingston yeah, that transitions to best at promos for the year, which wrestler was best at promos. And for me, it was Randy Orton. I uh, was blown away. And, you know, there was a time, like, around the WrestleMania 24, around that run, like, I didn't love a Randy Orton promo. Sometimes I got really sick of it. And uh, it was kind of the same, you know, I'm the apex predator. But he really was, you know, like, w they tried to, like, make uh, – like he was Thanos in a weird way, <laughs> you know, like it felt like he was actually, I think Robertson at doing the gimmick that Seth Rollins was trying to do almost like this merciful killing on, on every promo was a mer merciful killing. That's what it, it felt like. I, th I thought he was just tremendous this year. Robert. Maxwell, Jacob Friedman. Um, obviously I'm going to be the Homer for him there, but I think everything that they gave him, and they gave him some really terrible stuff. Some of the, the, the MJF for president kind of stuff. He made the most of, of every kind of promo that they gave him. When he was out there, he felt natural on the microphone. The dinner debonair segment was could have been one of the worst things ever. And instead, they knocked it out of the park. And it was, it was remarkable. I mean, it was so much so that friends that I have that aren't wrestling fans, I'm like, you have to watch this. And they're like, this is really great. Uh, when he wants to cut his serious promo and do I'm better than you and you know it, he delivers that well. Um, he he's the, the stuff he's been doing with the inner circle where he's been weaving all these little bits of dissension, the stuff that he when he's like gently nudging Sammy. I think everything that Jar that uh, MJF has been doing this year on the microphone has been I just absolute a masterclass. Scott. Yeah. MJF is uh, better than everybody. I mean, he really, he really is. He speaks different than everybody else on the mic because he speaks like he's not on the mic. He's just there. He believes it. It comes off legitimate. He talks like a guy who can talk. He doesn't promo like a guy who can promo. Mike? Yeah. I mean, I, I think that, you know, Kingston does great work. They just don't give, like, I mean, he's trying to get over these tag teams that he doesn't feel that connected to, but everything MJF does, he believes, and so I believe it. 
I think that the yeah the Cody feud kind of gets overlooked because it was pre-COVID, but right. he was phenomenal in that as just this shit heel. Yeah. The 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 promo that he cut on Wardlow about his family, like there's just so many little moments, and yeah, he's unpredictable in the sense like the president thing. It did not work. It wasn't great. I can rewatch it because of all those moments with his employees were so fun. And you know who that guy is. Like he understands his character in a way that I don't think anyone else in that company does in a way that no one else in wrestling does. Even when um, the pandemic first happened and he cut a promo from long Island where he said like, it wasn't worth it for him to risk coming to wrestle was fucking awesome. Like, because now there's a reason why he's not there. No one else had that. Other guys just disappeared for months. He gave you a kayfabe reason that just made him a better heel. So it's it's him without a doubt. Zach? Uh, COVID did a lot of favors in this sense where there was some really good promos because there was no crowd to ruin it. So I really liked a lot of Randy Orton stuff. Uh, I liked all of MJS stuff. Um, I love ro- what Roman's been doing. So, uh, but I think out of all of them, I think I'm going to give it to MJF as well. All right. Best bell to bell wrestler. So how great they are in the ring. Not, not to do with promos. I, I have a tie for this one. I'm going to say Osprey and Ishii. Uh, it, I, I thought they both in the, in the G one, they worked phenomenally in two very different styles. Osprey has kind of transitioned to the heavyweight style, I think works out really well for him. And that must've been a scary transition because, you know, all the fame he got was from that high flying ricochet back and forth. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, in Ishii, I mean, I just think has been tremendous. Every Ishii match I've watched this year, I, I've, I've really enjoyed. Robert? Otis. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, I would say I, Otis's I, I, shirt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, every time I saw Kenny Omega wrestle this year, I enjoyed the hell out of it, and it it's it's always made me mad. And I've talked about it that AEW should have gone with him sooner to establish him because a lot of the audience that's not you know Scott hasn't uh-huh. really seen a lot of Kenny Omega because they weren't watching New Japan regularly. Sixteen and, I think- and seventeen, he was all anybody talked about on the internet. He was only anybody, yeah, but that yeah, that's a percentage of a percentage of the actual fan base. The audience that's watching AEW is much larger, and there are still casual fans that are just tuning in because it's on TNT. And I think when when they put him front and center with, with a lot of the tag matches, and as he's been a single star, every match I've seen him in has been interesting. And I feel like anytime I know that he's scheduled for a match, I'm going to be interested to see what he does, which speaks to his in-ring work yeah I, I completely agree scott yeah i mean i want i want to say omega right best tag match uh ever as voted by dave Meltzer. he had that match with pack the 30 minute one um laredo kid just last weekend which was one of the best matches this year uh that i saw but man like when you think when i look back i go 2020 like you know wrestler of the year my brain is probably going to say like, Oh, Drew McIntyre was 2020 wrestler of the year or, Oh, Roman Reigns, you know, maybe even Moxley. 
he definitely felt the most like a champion to me, even though I know, I know Dan, you say Drew a lot. I so this know, is Bell I, to I, Bell. I, I, do, I feel Omega. Oh, this is Bell to Bell, though. Yeah, this is Bell to yes, Bell. Oh, this is Bell to Bell to Bell. It's yeah, it's Omega. I mean, it's Omega or like what Phoenix? It's Omega. Yeah, Mike. Um. Yeah i I would say him or Timothy Thatcher. Oh I'm, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm not. I'm not a big NXT guy, but that guy. It's like he he intrigues me he fascinates me i don't know if he'll be a big star but technically he's a guy that i i feel you gotta at least try it um he's an old throwback and he's fun to watch um i think yeah i definitely think like we're just getting started with omega and yeah his 2021 is gonna be insane like i'm already giving this award to him next year but for this year Timothy Thatcher was a guy I didn't know at all, and, and he really impressed me. Zach. Uh, what, man, it's been such a weird year for wrestling, but I, I think since he's come back, there's not been anyone that I've been more invested in every match he's been in than Roman Reigns. Okay. Well, I'm going to say Roman well, Takahashi, too. When the bell rings, I'm I am 100% invested in every Roman Reigns match so far. I don't know why. I just dude, I might be too. You're right. Takahashi's great. All right, before yeah, we get to wrestler of the year, am I forgetting anything? Am I did I skip over anybody for a category? Did I forget a category? No. All right. No wrestler of the year. He what? I didn't have him as best bell to bell, and I didn't have him as best at promos. But I'm gonna go with Kenny Omega. He went from having one of the best tag team matches of all time, being in a really hot tag team, telling a subtle storyline, to then becoming the cleaner and really uh, having the American audience embrace that, to now being, you know, a champ, basically the champ of, of three brands. I mean, he's not the champ of TNA yet, but it's coming. You know, he's he's really become, you know, like his own thing. And, you know, he's just got a star quality. You know, he's not the best promo in the world, but you know, him and Don Callis together and what they've done this year for me, it's just, it's Kenny Omega. He stand he stands out uh, partially because for me, like the moment, like is almost more important. Like the most exciting moment for me of the year um, was that moment on winter is coming when Don Callis came in, you know, so I, I, I'm going to go with Kenny Omega, Robert. Considering how he started the year, um, my pick is Roman Reigns. I think in January, he was in a boring go-nowhere feud with King Corbin. We were going to get another year of the same. Uh, He fulfilled the prophecy of why Vince McMahon picked him. And he finally did what everybody has been begging for for the better part of five years. He was the face of logical COVID response which was, hey, I'm not showing up until I know this is safe and I'm not going to go the the company route. And if the WWE doesn't like it, fuck off. I'm going to do, he did that video where he spoke directly. He was like out jogging, wearing sunglasses. And he's just like, look, I'm going to talk to you as myself. He was very relaxed and he was very charismatic. And he's like, I'm doing what's best for my family. You can't judge people with what they're doing. Be safe. And then when he came back, the, the 180 he did with his character Every segment he's in is compelling. 
It's in his in-ring stuff is compelling. His promos are compelling. He's drawing ratings. Everyone he works with has been elevated and better because they've worked with him. Uh, it is every reason why Vince wasted five years of our lives trying to force him down our throats. And he has, he has been anointed in 2020 and he will make this company a fuck ton of money. Scott. Damn. That sold me on reins right there. I, I, I really did want to go with like a Moxley uh, because he really, every championship match, even though maybe sometimes it was the best match of the show, but sometimes it wasn't, but it always felt like the championship match. And it always felt like the title was super important. And while I love Roman and I think what he's doing is awesome. uh, I don't think the feud even needs the title, which is weird that I'm saying that, but I don't identify him as, you know, the champion he's just roman reigns um ah shit wrestler of the year you know what if you look back on a highlight reel i bet you you'd see mostly randy orton shit but i think that might be a negative too because there's gonna be a guy on fire uh <laughs> all right i'm gonna go with roman reigns roman reigns mike i am going with and this will probably be his last year but christopher jericho i gotta go jericho on this uh, his commentary through those first few months was so entertaining. Him wrestling on the cruise, he was willing to um, elevate so many people. His Orange Cassidy feud, yeah, um, losing to Moxley, uh, the dinner debonair. I know that like he feels like he's helping people behind the scenes. Like I've heard, like with Britt Baker, I think that there's no one that made a company better than that guy if you know i think he makes the most money in that company if not he should because he just makes it what it is in a lot of ways um i know he's on the older side i know people make fun of his dad bod but look man like he had a great match with tanahashi at the beat like he made me he made me watch wrestle kingdom like he got me to watch i've never watched wrestle kingdom but i'm like i'm a jericho fan and he was great in that match as this dastardly heel. He's having so much fun, and it's infectious and enjoyable. And uh, I don't, th- I don't think he even gets as much credit as he should. So, I mean, the thing with Roman Reigns is that was like September, October, but Jericho's been the whole year just fantastic. Jericho's been tremendous. If you look at that Moxley match, you don't really see. Somebody put somebody over like that in WWE. I think he put him. I think he put Moxley over stronger than Brock put Drew over, and Brock put Drew over pretty pretty fucking strong. See, uh, and, and I was I was I was thinking about this where I think some of my hiccups come with Drew and, and the, this year's Mania is that both both the Goldberg and Braun match and then Drew and Brock felt the same. They were three minute. Yeah, spam mm-hmm. finisher matches, and I think that's part of why those guys didn't get over as much as they should have. They they didn't win a battle. They just nothing makes wrestling feel faker than a two minute finisher fest to me. If you want to put Drew over instead of Roman Goldberg, have Drew knock the shit out of Goldberg. Out. Yeah, that'd be great, Zach. It should have been Drew. She really should have been Drew McIntyre. And in a perfect world, it would have been. But it's Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns is the best wrestler this year. Whoa. Roman Reigns coming out on top. 
Um, guys, uh, thank you for being a great, great listener, fan base. Thing. Yeah, I'm really <laughs> Dan. But thank you guys for tuning in. All you hey, listeners, thank you for being a great one individual a great person. One ear. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Listening through a shell. Thank you, Dad. Um, anyway, uh, uh, QT, we are sorry if we hurt your feelings. <laughs> Man, that guy's gonna fuck me up when he sees me. The QT stands for quality time, which is what you deliver every week. <laughs> when you detail my car, you do a fantastic job. <laughs> oh, man, we gotta end on that. Uh, follow Total F and Marks on Twitter. We have an Instagram account. Uh, buy our shirt at Pro Wrestling Tees. And uh, have a great new year. Oh, oh, Patreon this week. Patreon members. Uh, we're going to do the 10 count. We haven't, we haven't done it in two weeks. We'll probably be reviewing everything that has uh, come up to this Saturday's recording. So it's going to be kind of a big 10 count before we get back into the swing of things. Robert? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at WWCreative underscore ISH. And uh, happy 2021. Let's not fuck this one up. Scott? Uh, listen to Garbage Days with me and Brennan Sagalo. And happy new year. And let's enjoy Wrestle Kingdom. Oh, hell yeah. I forgot. We got, wait, is that, should that be the Patreon? This no, week? fuck them. <laughs> Mike? <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm at Mike Lawrence Comedy. And... Uh, yeah just let's keep watching wrestling because it's all we have <laughs> that should be an alternate name of this podcast zach <laughs> happy new year and wash your hands all right guys thanks a lot see you next time